0: You're listening to Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board, a podcast about life through the lens of music.
1: Welcome to another... Fantastic episode of your favorite podcast. My name is J Mac in St. Louis, and this is
0: Sam Wade in Nashville, Tennessee.
1: Oh my
0: God, what happened, Sam? I did say Nashville, Tennessee, not Los Angeles, California. Nashville, Tennessee. J Mac, we're in the same time zone now. What's happening?
1: That's nice because when I call you or when we do the show, especially when we're doing it with people outside the time zone, we don't have to like like schedule three different time zones like when we did david Sanks <laughs> it was like three different it was crazy we may work but it was difficult
0: it is uh it's 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 nice um to not try to do this with the, from the pacific time zone but yeah man um i've moved to music city and uh i'm loving it so far man it's been it was a long haul it was a hard trip i actually drove across the country twice in a week if you can believe it
1: you're crazy i am you're crazy yeah i i said totally... local.
0: that's very loco man yeah absolutely but it happened and we're here now and it's and it's good
1: awesome well i'd just like to remind our listeners that a new episode drops every wednesday on all major streaming services as well as a b-side on saturday which is kind of a fun little thing topic maybe doesn't really fit into our like the show proper but it's fun to talk about it's it's usually shorter well it's it's always shorter maybe five to ten minutes just a little nugget and I would like to direct our listeners to our Facebook page, Two Taped X Podcast. We love getting messages, love getting comments, and also our iTunes page. You you know, you can. Sam, did you know you can go to to our show on iTunes and leave a review on the show? Did you know that? You know, um, I
0: think I just saw that recently, and I really would love to see what people think of our show, J-Mac. We've been doing it now for how many months have we been doing this show? Nine months, I believe. Nine months of shows putting out a new one every single Wednesday. There's got to be some people out there that love it or hate it. So let us know, go to iTunes, leave us a review. We'd really, really appreciate it.
1: Can't not wait to get to this week's show. This was actually an idea that came from your girlfriend. And this is a, this is an episode about people who left bands and became more famous after they left a band than they were in the band. And this there could be a lot of different, uh, ways this goes, Yeah, but I've got three and then I know you've been, you've been moving, so I'm sure you've got something to say. This is, this is going to be more, one of our more laid back episodes. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put the, the gas on too hard. You, you've just got your studio decorated, <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like we've got a lot to say about this without maybe, uh. I think we can do this show pretty, pretty laid back.
0: I, I agree, Mack. And you know what? I just wanted to say, be, before we dive into this uh, topic of artists that, that left bands and then you know did something with their own solo careers, the more that I thought about this, there's actually a lot of artists. Like I'm looking at a list that I just jotted down real quickly, and I, I got like 13 names on here of just kind of stuff that I was thinking about. And I know there's tons of them out there. So I'm excited to talk about this topic, and let's see see where it goes. What you got for me?
1: My first guy, of course, is one of my all-time favorite singers, personalities, uh, musicians, Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, yeah. Everybody knew him from Black Sabbath, and Black Sabbath was really popular uh, in the late '60s. I think their first album came out in '69, and then they, 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 toward the end of the '70s, they started to tail off. Well, Ozzy got thrown out of the band for apparently doing too many drugs, which is if you if you talk to Tony Iommi now, and uh, Geezer Butler, and Bill Ward. To this day, they're like, we don't really know how we singled him out because we were all, I mean, the cocaine those guys did was insane. But somehow Ozzy did too much and he got kicked out of the band. And I mean, I think he thought his career was over. I just want to, real quick though, I'm thinking about like
0: what I've read about the recording of Black Sabbath Four, which has oh, yeah. Snowblind on it, by the way, which yep. is obviously about cocaine. And yeah. We won't get into it because you know it would just take forever to go in the stories. But like these guys were spending tens of thousands of dollars a week, I believe, on drugs. How does someone do too much of that? I mean, that must have been way over the top in order to be too much comparatively, right?
1: What Ozzy, of course, went on to do. Uh, it seems like his drug use did not slow down after he left the band. But he left the band, or he got kicked out, I think, in around 1980, and he was down on his luck. Enter Randy Rhodes, mm. one of the greatest guitar, I mean, metal, rock guitar I mean, I guess he was just an all-around great guitar player. of all, like One of the greatest guitar players of all time, who was basically only on two albums, Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. And then, of course, his wife, Sharon, kind of took over his career and really revitalized the career of a man who was probably going to end up in obscurity or maybe in uh, in a in a coffin somewhere yeah. uh, at this point in his in his life with the help of Randy Rhodes and and sh- his wife Sharon he became more popular as Ozzy Osbourne than he ever was in Black Sabbath and the things that he went on to do I can't wait till they do that biopic of him. They're supposed to do a biopic of him.
0: Oh wow! Now that's going to be really interesting.
1: And Sharon Osbourne says she doesn't want to do it with kid gloves. She really wants to show what he was really like and the kinds of things he really did. And then of course he ended up on a TV show around in the early 2000s, The Osbournes. And then he had a whole other career as a TV show. I mean, honestly, I knew of Ozzy Osbourne, but I wasn't allowed to to listen to him. But when I saw that TV show, I was like, I, I that's that was really my gateway into uh I guess into more of Ozzy than I knew at the time which wasn't a lot. So that's my first one. I think I think you you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who who was more of an icon than Ozzy Osbourne after he got kicked out of his his starter band.
0: Well, I you know, I I agree with that. I mean, if you think about you know, some of the way that he's able to like build um his persona and his brand and his like status in and as an icon i mean he even has like a festival named after him that's been a long-standing festival i know there was some years where it it didn't yeah. happen but you know i think it's uh is it is ozfest still happening now or, or i mean i mean obviously stuff with covid makes it harder for that to happen but
1: well i think it was but then i think uh his parkinson's diagnosis slowed things down he fell and hurt himself He he's had some other health issues I don't know. I think they're, they're planning on doing it again, but I mean, it's all, I mean, it's all who really knows at this point with COVID and right. with his illness, but it, it ran for a long time. And like, it was, it was a big deal. All the, all the bands, any band that was anybody in the metal or hard rock world wanted to be on Ozfest.
0: Yeah, man, that's a, that's a really good example of someone um, that was able to step out and like build something new after having, you know, massive success with, uh, you know, Black Sabbath is still like in the lore of like um, amazing heavy metal. I mean, they you could argue that they kind of, you know, really created heavy metal, at least like on a large sense. So that's a really good example. I dig that, man. And, you know, for for me, when I was thinking about these, these types of, of people that left, I mean, we can't deny that one of the biggest artists that became massive after leaving their original group would be none other than Michael Jackson, right?
1: That's probably the biggest you can get. I don't think you can get any bigger than that. King of Pop?
0: Massive, massive. Yeah, King of Pop, absolutely. Um, You know, there's a lot of controversy surrounding him that we won't get into. We can talk about his music. He actually released some solo albums um, when he was a kid and still in Jackson 5. But when he teamed up with Quincy Jones in 1979 and put out Off the Wall... It started to solidify him and that R genre. He even had, I want to say, it was four cuts on the record that he wrote himself, um, and then started to really make a, a hit uh, out of himself and like becoming like the mega superstar that he was. I mean, there was a time, right? You remember like during the whole like Pepsi Generation era and his hair catching on fire, and you know um, it, the whole era where he was like doing Smooth Criminal and he like patented like these these boots that allowed him to like do the special dance move where he had like would like, um, uh, De- defy gravity. I mean, the moonwalk. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, and then he got Martin Scorsese to direct, um, a little mini movie for bad. I mean, massive success. You can't deny that this dude has left a lasting impression on pop music forever. Um, but he, if, if he had stayed in the, in the band, in the confines of the Jackson five, it's hard to say whether or not he would have broken out of that. So
1: my first memory of Michael Jackson, remember, I, I grew up in a really conservative Christian home and for something to filter through to me, it had to have been pretty massive. And I remember hearing beat it somewhere yeah, and it stuck in my head. And I, and I, I never really, I think I heard the, the full song one time, but I would go around the yard singing it just like the melody. It's great. It got in my head. Yeah. And that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I I don't think that's that's definitely the top of the pile there. Well, if Ozzy is the top of the metal world, then then Michael Jackson is the king of everything else. Well,
0: and you know who's playing on "Beat It," right? Who who plays that?
1: Eddie Van Halen. That's yes. right.
0: I mean, so talking about mixing genres and, and crossing things. I mean, this dude. We need to do a whole uh, icons episode just on Michael Jackson to cover everything that he contributed to music. I just got to ask though, real quick, what's your favorite Michael Jackson song?
1: It's hard to top beat it. That was the one I heard first. It's got the blistering guitar solo. I mean, Michael Jackson and Eddie Van Halen, I don't think I don't think they're going to top that. So you, same thing? Um, there's so many
0: of them. The first one that comes to mind is probably at least my favorite song on the Bad Record, and that would be Dirty Diana, because it's just like this brooding song. It's probably a toss-up between that and Smooth Criminal, um, but Dirty Diana is just one of those deep cuts that's just so good. Listen to it again if you haven't heard it in a while.
1: Well, that's the thing. You can turn on a Michael Jackson record, and it's not just the singles that are good. It's like The Man in the Mirror, that type of thing. There's all kinds of good songs. So good. All type of good songs.
0: All right. So who else you got?
1: I'm going to keep with the theme of R&B here. I'm going with Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie was originally in the Commodores.
0: Oh, right. I think people forgot that.
1: Brick House and all that. Right. So his debut album came out in 1982. The Commodores have been going on since the early 70s. His debut album was called Lionel Richie, and it contained three hit singles, Truly, You Are, and My Love. And like I said, dude, once again, this was not in my wheelhouse, but I knew all these songs because I'd heard them on the radio. I heard them in the car. So like, younger people would not know that Lionel Richie was in the Commodores. The Commodores had a lot of big hits. Yeah, I've actually got several Commodore's albums on vinyl. They're really good songs. But then I think he started to try to go, he went more into like the radio friendly stuff. And I think they kept wanting to do funk. I don't know if it was a a bad, like an acrimonious split, but he, he went off to do his own thing and it became bigger. As Lionel Richie, the solo artist, than he ever was with the Commodores. Oh
0: man, I remember as a kid seeing "Dancing on the Ceiling" the music video for that. Oh yeah,
1: that's yeah, that's another great album. Remember
0: that that song though, where like like literally the people are dancing on the ceiling. Unbelievable music video. I mean, like that was in a time period where like music videos on MTV was like the premier way to like see and hear music at the same time. and It had surpassed radio, and here he is with like this crazy video all night long. Yep um uh hello is it is it me you're looking for is that what the song is that's called
1: dude so many good songs so many good songs that he did uh kenny rogers actually recorded a couple of his songs so let's not forget about his songwriting ability yeah. he was he was an incredible songwriter and i think i don't know i don't i don't think he's still actively touring but if he if he did he would he would sell out a stadium and no no time flat
0: so he's still um he's still on uh american idol right as a judge I think that he's doing is it he? virtually now during COVID times, but I want to say he's still on there. So I know he was on several seasons of that. I mean, they've had so many different judges, you know, over the over the years. But yeah. I want to say he is. I mean, he's still, you know, finding ways to stay relevant. Totally an icon.
1: If you're going to leave a band like the Commodores or any big band, I think he set the mark pretty high for what your career could be afterwards.
0: Absolutely. You know what I? I was thinking. Well, I was thinking about some of these people that 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 kind of spurred off, and I actually have a double header for you. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: throw it at me. I'm bro. gonna take
0: it back to the to the early seventies, and I th- I think some people may not realize that these two guys that went on to make one of the biggest band of the seventies into the eighties, um, Glenn Fry and Don Henley um who went off and formed the Eagles were actually a part of Linda Ronstadt's band and Oh
1: my god how did I, I you're right dude the, yeah Don Henley was her drummer and Glenn Frey was a guitar player for Linda Ronstadt you're right
0: right and I mean that's a good gig <laughs> that's an amazing gig if you can get it cuz at this Yeah it is at the point that they were touring with her she was already like you know uh, a well established artist this is after the Stone Ponies era and she's touring on her own solo record when she had left her band they're part of her backing band um but i think you know some of the stories are, are hazy what the facts are i think that she was into the idea of them going off and and doing their own thing um but you know i'm glad that they did i'm gonna be completely honest with you it took me a while to catch on to the eagles right um i i think like growing up i was kind of like eh you know fuck the eagles i don't want to listen to them um but once I once I really started to listen to what they do, I think that they were just a massively um, amazing band. I mean, and then they pulled in Joe Walsh, you know, later on, who was another guy uh, who was, you know, got famous uh, touring with the James Gang, did his own solo career, and then he actually joined the Eagles, um, and this just just this massive success, multi platinum selling artists who probably wouldn't have had that level of success had they not stepped out of what was comfortable being, you know, these hired hands for, uh, for Linda and just really being these amazing artists. Um, I don't know. What do you have to say about the Eagles? I, you know, I, I know it's a, it's a long story with them, right?
1: First of all, they had balls to step out of Linda Ronstadt's band. And I think she, they, they went with her blessing. I remember watching something, a couple different things where she was happy for him. She was like, she thought they had something they remained friends yeah but but here's the thing with the eagles the eagles are like it's not kid music if that makes sense like when you're a teenager i don't think too many teenagers are listening to the eagles maybe in the 70s but it's kind of like adult contemporary country kind of thing and so you kind of overlook it as a teenager when you're wanting to rock out but i i honestly love the eagles i mean now we could go on and on about the dynamics of the band and are they nice people or not. I mean, watch that documentary. That's a good documentary, right? It is. And I'm telling you, I like the way that Glenn Fry and to some extent Don Henley show what they're, how they really are. They're like, band comes first, screw your personality and and what you want. The older I get, the more I love the Eagles. Yeah, Peaceful, easy feeling. One of these nights, you the Eagles are kind of like the band that, they're pretty, they're pretty middle of the road. I don't really see there being a lot of like hate for the Eagles, maybe for their personality, but the music, the music speaks for itself.
0: Well, I think of like, you know, hate, hate for the Eagles. You made me think of that scene in the big Lebowski where, um, the dude is like, it's the fucking Eagles, man. And he's like, you know, <laughs> obviously not a fan. And that's kind of where I have the camp. I fell in for a, for a long time. But the more that listened to it, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of like that song, their their big hit from the first record, uh, "Take It Easy," uh, written by Jackson Brown, by the way. Yep. And uh, I was just in Winslow, Arizona, last week, and uh, you better believe that that song was rolling through my mind as I drove through uh, Winslow. I actually went over to the corner um, and stood on the corner in Winslow, uh, nice in in Winslow, Arizona. There's like a um,
1: the line of the song, there's a there's a Ford with yeah, standing yeah, on the, the corner ladies. in
0: Winsley, Arizona. Such a fine sight to see. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed Ford slowing yeah, flat down Ford. to take a look at me. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's cool. They got like a statue there, and like it's a, this whole tribute to it. But
1: it's just good. It's just good stuff. You want to hear my theory on? Uh, I, I I said that there's not a lot of eagle hate. I think there is, but do you want to know why they people hate the eagles? Why? Cause they're the top and they're really good. It's like sometimes when somebody is so good that they have haters just because there's somebody that wants to be arbitrary. Yeah. I remember my first job working at a, at a plant nursery slash slash craft store. They had the Eagles. They they must've had the Eagles greatest hits on loop in that place. And that was the first time I really heard it. And I actually annoyed me until I got older and I was like, those songs stuck with me. and And I found myself going, I need to get that one of the, one of these nights record. I I'm kind of wanting to hear that song again. Great bassline by the way. It, it
0: is. You know it is. And I love some of the songs, some of the deep cuts from like Desperado. Like I'm a big fan of that song uh Duel and Dalton. You know that one? I love that song. You know um and it's it's actually got a little bit of a of a of a personal thing for me too because um I have family that grew up in Coffeyville, Kansas that that came from that from that area and that's where the Dalton gang Um, that's where they were apprehended, where they were shot, you know, and that's some of like the whole influence, um, for that song, the and Dalton gang comes from that. And on the back cover of that record, they recreated the photo of them, like after they shot like the old West photo of the Dalton boys uh, being there. So it just kind of like all wraps together, but there's, there's so much there. Um, and I'm glad that I finally woke up because the Eagles are actually pretty awesome.
1: I got one more here, Sam. You want to hear who I got? And there's no way you could argue with this one.
0: Oh well, if you're phrasing it that way, hit me with it, and let's see.
1: You've heard of a band called Nirvana, right? Yes. There was a drummer that was in a, the Nirvana. His name was Dave Grohl, and I heard good things about him. He, he apparently went on to be pretty successful.
0: Dave Grohl. Dave. Dave Grohl.
1: Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters fame. Oh, that's that's an that guy. If you watch that smells like Teen Spirit video, he's like headbanging, you can't even see his face. He's just he's just tearing up. You are not really even sure what he looks like. And then fast forward to ninety-four after after Cobain died, and he he really he became he's kind of like the father of uh of modern like not the father of modern rock. He's definitely like the face of of modern rock at this point. Post
0: grunge music is what some people call Post-grunge it. Post grunge music, yeah.
1: yeah. And Nirvana was that—that's a tough gig to to up, to go to go bigger than Nirvana. But he managed <laughs> to do it with Foo Fighters. Well, yeah. you
0: know, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that first Foo Fighters record didn't he play everything on that album?
1: Yep, kind of like somebody else I know. <laughs> but yeah, but Dave Grohl is definitely—he's the top of the game. He's. He's what I think kids growing up now when they see like an older rock star, he's our age, but, but he's like an older rock star to the kids. He's keeping
0: rock alive, man. I mean, Dave, Dave Grohl is like serious. Like, I mean him and like all those guys in that band, like seriously, I'm so grateful that they're still relevant and doing what they do. I mean, by the way, Taylor Hawkins is an incredible drummer. Oh, unbelievable drummer. And he makes it look effortless um, the way that he plays. And he's doing some real cool stuff in there, but it's just like he, he makes it seem easy. Pat Smear is in the, in, in the band, too. He was he was originally in that band, um, Germs. And then he toured with Nirvana under the uh, in, in Utero tour. Um, and then he came in, joined the Foo Fighters. The bass player of the Foo Fighters was in Sunny Day Real Estate, Nate Mendel. Um, William Goldsmith was in there for a while um, from 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 uh, Sunday Real Estate, but I mean these guys have been stuck around, um, massively successful, still putting out great rock music, and uh, it's you know I love pop music. I'm glad that there's so many different things that that people are listening to now, but it's just really really awesome to see a rock band still kicking it. Dave Dave Grohl, he's kind of well known for like bringing people up on the stage, right, and just kind of jamming. There's, a, there's the Kiss Guy video. He's approachable.
1: Yeah, he he's, he seems like a guy that, yeah, he's cool. He's like down to earth. Yeah, I saw this one
0: video where he brought some kid up on stage to play guitar and then ended up giving the kid his guitar. Did you see that video? Oh, my God. Nice, <laughs> it's nice. It's so cool. Well, there's this there's this 11-year-old drummer named Nandi Bushell. Um, she actually has been, she has some amazing videos. She's actually a really, really, really great drummer. They brought her on stage recently with a little tiny drum kit and she played on um, uh, Everlong, killed it, killed it, closing nice. out the show. And then there she is on stage with the Foo Fighters. I just love the fact that like he doesn't quite take himself so seriously and these guys are just having fun on stage still. And can you imagine like you know if Nirvana was still a band, would the Foo Fighters have even happened? I don't know.
1: I mean, you got to think probably not. But but I, that's the thing I like about Dave Grohl. He always looks like he's having fun. Yeah. I'm sure he has bad days, but if he does, he never lets it out. It's pretty. It's he's just he's a very charismatic guy. He looks like like a Jesus figure, long hair, beard, just everything everything that I wanted to be as as a kid when I thought of a rock star it was like long hair and a big beard. Yeah, I I love Dave Grohl. He's He's one of a kind.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that, man. That's a that's a really good pick. You know, speaking of massive bands that uh, that guys left um, and then started their own thing. You know, I'm thinking of like Genesis. Okay, like they put out several records. Just I, I want to say probably five, six, seven albums. Um, with Peter Gabriel as the lead singer for the band in the seventies, and then he left the band, and I don't, I don't recall the circumstances of him leaving. I know there's been bad blood between the members for a long time, but he left the band, um, put out his first record, which is, you know, it was called Peter Gabriel, um, but then, you know, kind of the name, the sub name for it is Carr. It's the one that has the 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 photo of him. In, in the inside sleeve where he has like silver eyes. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Great record. That's the one that has Salisbury Hill on it, but that's a guy that would, that like his, maybe his ego, but also like what he had inside of him was so much larger than the confines of Genesis. He went out and did his own thing. And man, some of the most amazing music of the 80s especially and then into the 90s and, he, and uh, even now was made by him um you know there's that song uh, in your eyes which is one of my all-time favorite songs you know it makes me think of like that cameron crowe film with john cusack holding the boombox over his head playing the song uh, in your eyes. nice beautiful beautiful song um he wrote songs with a conscience like "Biko" and uh, shock the monkey um there's uh, the the duet he did with Kate Bush, um, and just just such a great artist. And uh, but there's this one song by him that I want to encourage our listeners to go and check out if you if you haven't listened to it, and it's called uh, "Washing of the Water." Are you familiar with this track, J. Mac?
1: No, I haven't heard that song. I'll have to look it up. Like our listeners,
0: it's a beautiful song. Let it wash over you, and I'll just leave it at that. Go and check out Peter Gabriel because that's another dude that kind of like broke out of the confines of what he was in and just massive, massive success. Works with Daniel Lenoir Brian Eno, these guys, just just really, really uh, in, incredible artists.
1: I think we could actually do a whole a part two of this of of this topic. I feel like we've got so much. Uh, we're right, getting ready to wrap up the episode, but I feel like we've got so much more to say. So let's maybe put part two on the back burner, and, and I think we could. I think we'd have some fun with that. Make some hay with it. Well, there's so many like current artists too. Like we
0: didn't talk about Harry Styles. We didn't talk about Justin Timberlake or Beyonce. Uh, We didn't talk about Ice Cube. Like all of these guys and and artists have just like broken out of their mold. But you know what? What I think is really interesting about all of this is like these artists for for whatever reason was for them whether their band broke up or um, they realized they needed to go and do something different. What I love about they got kicked out, yeah, where they got kicked out, Um, it makes me think of like you know Jason Isbell getting kicked out and getting kicked out of the Drive By Truckers and then going on to be like you know one of the one of the 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 biggest voices of the Americana um, format right now. It's like these these artists um, went for it and then uh, you know didn't let these circumstances kind of define them, like they they went and, and dug in and put the work in, um, to, to really kind of like crystallize something new and fresh. And it's, it's just, it's just really, uh, encouraging to me as an artist to kind of, to keep forging ahead and not letting the circumstances define you, uh,
1: you know, with whatever faces you in life. Do do you get what I'm trying to say? I totally get what you're trying to say. Yeah. I mean, there's ebbs and flows of careers. I mean, I'm sure some of these people, uh, I think of Ozzy. He probably thought his his career, his, his basically his life was over. He forged ahead, came out came out stronger on the other side. The Eagles, they had a they had a sweet gig. They left, took a risk, late leaving Linda's R- Linda Ronstadt span ended up becoming I'd uh, probably more popular than they ever thought they would. But don't I mean it was probably it was scary. It had to be scary. Yeah. So it, it sometimes, sometimes like the 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 fallow times or the rough times. Sometimes are right before the great times, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: it takes courage, man. You know, yeah. I've I've heard this in so many different places, but one of my favorite definitions of courage is, um, you know, seeing the fear but not stopping at the fear, right?
1: Yeah, it's not the absence of fear.
0: Right, it's, it's just going anyway and continuing because you know that's right.
1: So for another great episode of Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board, my name is J-Mac. And I'm Sam Wade. Sing until next week. Stay, Stay cosmic. cosmic.